So good morning, listeners, and welcome to Come and See Inspirations. And this, the 23rd of October, it's the 30th Sunday in Ordinary Time. My name is John Keeley, and it's a pleasure for me to welcome back on to Come and See Inspirations, Shane Ambrose. How are you, Shane? Good afternoon. Good morning, John. How are we keeping? We're good. Thanks a lot indeed, Shane. Missed you last week, but we got through it. You're still um, progressing through your stay away from us, but you've still got a few more weeks. But thanks again indeed for joining us. Yeah, I'm still in I'm still in Nairobi this week and maybe depending on the joys of modern technology, you and I will have a conversation from a rather different location next week. Shane, you're full of surprises and the just the one thing that you just mentioned to me at the side of the program I uh, said the side of the podcast was um you have to have the air conditioning on. We don't have that problem over here at the moment. Well, now to be fair, I I could get away without the air conditioning at the moment, but I'm I'm I can't open the bedroom window because I've set the stories up. So yeah, I kind of need to cool the room and clear the room small. But it's not that warm. It's only a, a pleasant twenty degrees out. So um, my neighbours around me in Nairobi, they're all going around wrapped up in coats and scarves because it's cold <laughs> for them. <laughs> but for you, it's great, Shane. It's lovely. I'm here in short sleeves. It's brilliant. Thanks a lot indeed, Shane. So we, we especially welcome our listeners who are housebound, those who are lonely and struggling in some way today. And of course, our listeners who support us each week in prayer, and thank you so much indeed for that. Our weekly podcasts include interviews on faith topics, inspirational music, and reflection on the Sunday Gospel. All of our podcasts can be heard at commonseeinspirations.budspread.com. If you just Google Come and See Inspirations, wherever you are in the world, you'll find us there. A lot of our podcasts are available at sacredspace102.blogspot.com. For many a year, Shane kept that alive, that blog, sacredspace102.blogspot.com. An awful lot more stuff on there apart from podcasts. Well worth a visit. Also, uh, we are available to be heard on Spotify and iTunes. And of course, we do have a presence on Facebook at Come and See Inspirations. You can contact us, so please do so, by texting us at 087-6088-667. Internationally, 0035387-6088-667. Or please email us, and that's on commonseeinspirations at gmail.com. And as we often said here on the podcast, we're always looking for new ideas, new contacts. So if you know of anyone who might have a faith story, an inspirational story to share with us, please ask them to give us a call and come and see inspirations at gmail.com. Now, at this point of our podcast, we'll ask Shane to share some saints for the week. Thanks, Shane. Thanks, John. Now, I have to apologize. I haven't had as much time as I usually would have for my uh, Saints preparation, John, but we'll see how we get on going through the calendar. However, before that, uh, just the one thing that caught my eye from things papal this week was the announcement by Pope Francis that they are extending the discernment period of the Synod and Synodality by a further 12 months. So we'd been we'd spoken about it briefly before, John. So basically, there was supposed to be a meeting in October in Rome of the bishops to bring to a conclusion the synodal process that's been going on, which was supposed to start at parishes, then go to dioceses, and then a national level here in Ireland. Um, so they're actually giving us another six, another twelve month extension. Um, now it's interesting. The official reason is that it doesn't have to be rushed and to allow for greater discernment and on all the rest of it. The unofficial reason being given is the uptake and the participation rate has been less than 1%. So they're a little bit concerned about that. The US was the last one of the last countries to publish their synodal synthesis, which was 
conclusions that was raised. They got participation rates of about 700,000 in the US. Sounds a significant amount to people, except for the fact there is about 67 million Catholics in America. So, yeah, they're not overly enthused about the the uh, participation rate. So, anyway, we'll see where that one goes. So, back to the calendar, John. Uh, am I right in saying it is the 30th Sunday in ordinary time? Yes, Steve, that's right. That's right, Shane. So, uh, so the 30th Sunday in ordinary time. So, Monday, the 24th of October, we celebrate the feast day of St. Anthony Mary Claret. Uh, he started off as a weaver in life, actually. Uh, then he went on to become a seminary student, ordained in 1835. He was a missionary in Catalonia and the Canary Islands. And he fo- founded the Congregation of the Missionary Sons of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, which are known today as the Capetians. He was uh, he was sent to Cuba, Santiago de Cuba, was the Archbishop there, then back to Spain. He was involved with the royal house in Spain, being a confessor to Isabella II, and went into exile with her. And he was he died in 1870 in a Cistercian monastery in France, and he was canonized by Pope Pius XII, the twelfth in 1950. Tuesday then, I've picked out Blessed Thaddeus McCarthy. That's the 25th of October. Um, he was of Irish nobility, uh, Gaelic nobility, I think. He was the grandson of the Lord of Kerry, Lord of Muscari, educated by the Franciscans, went to the University of Paris, then was ordained in Rome. He was appointed the Bishop of Ross, as in Cork and Ross, in 1482. However, when he arrived in Ross, he found that his predecessor was still alive. <laughs> Small bit of an issue. Um, so uh, so then there was a couple of years of dispute about the appointment, and Thaddeus never took up the position of Bishop Ross. Um, at one point, he was even excommunicated by the Pope, but then it was cleared of all charges, and the excommunication was revoked. Then he was made the Bishop of Cork and Coyne in 1490. And uh, again, when he arrived there, uh, he found that somebody else had been chosen, and so he couldn't take up his cathedral seat. Um, so then, actually, he hit the road on pilgrimage as a white martyr of Munster, uh, because he uh, he went he he went to the holy sites. So he died eventually in Italy in fourteen ninety two, and then he was. His body was found, he was buried in Italy where he died, right? The body was found incorrupt in the tomb. It was opened in 1742, but it later deteriorated. So there's some of his relics in the Cathedral of St. Mary and St. Anne in Cork. There's some of his relics in St. Coleman's Cathedral in Cove. And there's some of his relics enshrined at the Church of St. Mary in Yall. So he was beatified by Leo the Thirteenth in 1896. So he's one of those saints that's there on the calendar that's blessed and they're kind of waiting for the next step to make him one of the official saints of Ireland. So then uh, the 26th of October is the feast day of St. Alfred the Great, uh, regarded as the ideal Christian king of Wessex. He came to the throne during a Danish invasion. He defeated the Danes, preserved the growth of the church in England, and very much associated with promoting learning. And his laws made no distinction between English and Welsh which was a first. And he died in 1899 of natural causes. Uh, he doesn't have any patronages, actually, now that I just looked. 
Then on the 27th, which is Thursday, John, right? Um, we have the feast day of St. Desiderius of Auxerre, I think is how you pronounce it. Obviously, with a name like that, he's got to be French. He was the Bishop of Auxerre in France. He died in 1625, and he's, he's, he's saint. He's, he's a, what they call a pre-congregation saint. So he's been on the list for a long, long time. Then on the 28th of October, we have a dual saint celebration. We have St. Jude Tadius and we have St. Simon the Apostle. Now, breakfast warning. Both of them, of course, are uh, apostles. Um, Simon was called the Zealous, the Zealous even, because of his zeal for the Jewish law. Um, he was trained by St. Peter the Apostle. Tradition holds that Simon evangelized in Egypt and Mesopotamia. Now, Mesopotamia is modern-day Iraq. Um, he was a martyr for the faith. And it depends, depending where they say he was martyred, depends on his way of martyrdom. So he was crucified. Some say he was crucified in Samaria. Others say he was sawn in half in Persia. Others say he was martyred in Iberia. Uh, so it's it just depends. So uh, when you see him being depicted, he usually has a saw in his hand. Um, so he's patron saint of uh, tanners, woodcutters, and couriers. I think a courier is someone that looks after horses. I'm not 100% sure about that one. On the other side, then, on the same feast day, we have St. Jude Tadius, son of Cleophas, who died a martyr, and Mary, who stood at the foot of the cross, uh, brother of St. James the Lesser, Tradition holds him to be a nephew of Mary and Joseph, so therefore a blood relative of Jesus, if you like. May have been a fisherman. Uh, obviously, there's a letter, or there's a there's a there's an epistle or a letter to, of Saint Jude in the New Testament, uh, which is attributed to him. Again, he's attributed to have preached in Syria, Mesopotamia, and Persia uh, with Saint Simon. Uh, now, this is the guy who looks after lost. Uh, lost or impossible causes, hopeless cases even. Um, the reason being, now this is this is where the poor man gets landed this thing, right? His patron of lost or impossible causes traditionally derives from confusion for, by many early Christians between Jude and the traitor Judas Iscariot. Not understanding the difference between the names, they never prayed for Jude's help and devotion to him became something of a lost cause. Now, traditionally, when you see him depicted, he's holding a big club because tradition has his martyrdom was he was beaten to death. So that is, uh, he's the patron saint of forgotten causes, hospital workers, and desperate situations. So that's St. Eutatius of Simon the Apostle. And then finally, John, on the 29th of October, another hopeless case, St. Mary of Edessa. She was a niece of St. Abraham Kiduania, I think is how you pronounce your man's name. She lived for 20 years as an anchoress near his, his monastic cell. But in a moment of weakness, she was seduced by a renegade monk who had turned from his vows. She despaired of forgiveness for her lapse and in her shame moved far away and gave herself over to what was described as a wild and desolate life. Saint Abraham only left his hermit's cell twice, the second being to visit Mary in the disguise of a soldier. She picked him up <clears throat> as part of her trade <clears throat> and took him home. 
But over supper, he convinced her of the error of her ways, and she converted and returned to a life of an anchoress, spending the rest of her days in prayer. That's St. Mary of Edessa, whose feast day we celebrate on the 29th of October. Well, Shane, I tell you, that was certainly a very interesting run-through of saints for this week. <laughs> Shane, thank you very much indeed. So now we can go for a, a prayer's place this morning. Uh, again, we, we're going to uh, dip into Monica Brown from her album, I'm With You Always. And today we can listen to Monica as she reflects on, Hear then what God asks of you. Hear then what Yahweh your God asks of you. To live justly, love tenderly, and walk humbly with your God. Live justly, love tenderly, and walk humbly with your God. When someone who loves us asks something of us, it becomes a hope in their heart, a kind of dream they have for us, which they believe will be good for us and bring us happiness. God's word today speaks of the hope and dream that God has for you. It is a hope and dream about a way of living and being. It is a hope God has that in living your life, others will be blessed by you. This happens when we treat ourselves and others well, by making choices that help us to be more authentic and enabling others to feel cared for and respected. In this way, not only are we a blessing for others, but we ourselves are blessed by the peace of living authentically. Pause now and take some time to think about what God is asking of you. Focus on specific aspects of your life, in particular, the relationships you have. Remember times when you have made choices that have enabled you and others to feel good. Choices that have brought about peace and love. Today, try to be aware of the choices you make in your relationships. And remember, remember God's dream for you. Remember God's dream for you. God, grant to me
speak to me the song you sing in me that is I So welcome back again to the second part of Come and See Inspirations. My name is John Keeley, still joined by Shane Ambrose. And this week we continue to listen to a reflection from the Novena to Our Lady of Knock, held early on this year. Today's talk is by Lauren Conroy, who shares about her faith journey. Lauren is a student, a fifth-year student, at St. Louis Community School, Kilty Mock, in the west of Ireland. She's been a member of the school chaplaincy team, providing monthly scripture reflection videos, which were broadcast on the Knock Shrine website, a project which began during lockdown to offer people at home some engagement and daily prayer. Lauren also enjoys to sing and play music in her spare time. We'll finish this part of our podcast by listening to Valimar Jensen and Tom Kenzia singing This Little Light of Mine. But in the meantime, let's listen to Lauren Conroy. If you have faith, you can do things like this and much more. You can even say to the mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea. The message from the scripture this evening, even from the first reading, is our strength of faith comes from, obviously, our belief in the Lord. But that gets tested, as we all know, and as we have alluded to right throughout the course of this novena. And our faith story it just doesn't come from thin air. Our faith story comes from the people around us, our families, our friends, people that we associate with, the community, all of that, people in faith, from our practice. It just doesn't come from thin air. It has to come from somewhere, and it has to be built upon as well. And speaking to us this evening is uh, Lauren Conroy, who will explore her own faith story in relation to that. It gives us a sense of our own faith, that we ask questions of our own, and our own faith can be up and down, as we all know. But if we trust in the Lord, he will carry us through. Lauren Conroy. Good evening, everyone. My name is Lauren Conroy. I'm a fifth-year student just down the road in St. Louis Community School in Kelchma. I'm also part of the chaplaincy team in the school, and perhaps this is one of the reasons why I've been asked to share my faith story with you all today. It is a story of who I am as a young person of faith and how my faith has remained such an important part of my life, especially during a time when many would understand if we were at least a little lost. My faith journey began before I can even remember, when my parents christened me. Ever since then, my parents have always brought me to 10 o'clock Mass in Kelchma every Sunday morning. It has been such a ritual in our life that we even have a certain seat in the church that we still sit in today. I cannot remember a lot about my younger years at Mass, but I do distinctly remember participating in the Good Friday ceremonies in a very unorthodox way, much like a child would when having a bedtime story read to them. 
I'm sure you can all recall Jesus' comment to Peter about him denying that he knew Jesus in the lead-up to his trial in Jerusalem. For me, I waited until I heard the line before the cock crows three times, and then I would shout out, cock-a-doodle-doo, putting a smile on people's faces around me, much to the embarrassment of my mother. However, I soon grew up and was able to understand faith more deeply, and in recent times have come to realise for myself, much like Peter, how easy it can be to deny your faith depending on who you're in company with. I made my first Holy Communion when I was eight years old. My job for the big day was decorating the altar before Mass, and I do remember being excited about receiving the host. The preparation ahead of the day was a real family event. My entire family came with me to choose my communion dress, and lots of extended family came home for the day. It was extra special too, because I made my first Holy Communion alongside my twin cousins. So it was a big family celebration for us all. I received lots of rosary beads and prayer books from everyone. But one thing I remember getting was a cross and chain from my grandparents. They said, keep this safe, Lauren, this is special. Reflecting on my faith story, I can really see that it has been generational for me. My faith was handed down to me by my parents and their parents before that. During primary school, I took part in the school choir and sang at the Christmas Day Masses and celebrations. I was even chosen to play Mary in the Christmas Nativity play and felt very important to have been given such a prestigious role. When I was old enough, I would also serve at Mass, and from here, I had a very different experience, feeling relied upon and important both at the same time. One Mass in particular I remember serving was the late Father Paddy Kilcoyne's Golden Jubilee. He was such a wonderful priest, kind and wise, and always so grateful to everyone who helped out in the parish. He also popped in and out of school, taking a keen interest in the lives of all his parishioners. I will remember him fondly for many years to come. Another milestone in my faith life was my confirmation. For this, I picked the name Julia after my nanny who'd passed away four months before I was confirmed. As she was the only grandparent that would not be with me on the day, I wanted to honour her and the faith she'd passed on to me, and of course, to feel she was with me on this special day in my life. That year in particular, Father Kilcoyne made a special effort to visit us in school and talk to us each week. He would tell us lots of stories about Jesus and how we were to model our lives on him. Some of the stories of Jesus that I enjoyed learning about the most were the parables he told and miracles he performed. My favourite miracle stories were the ones about Jesus healing others, that in times of sickness Jesus may help to make you better. It was through these stories that I came to understand that God helps you through difficult and hard times in your life and in times of sickness. As I grow older, I'm only now beginning to understand what that actually means and that it is not always in ways that you would ask for or expect. When I moved into secondary school, it was obviously a big change, as it is for any young person. I remembered my nana talking about being involved in the Legion of Mary in her parish. She really enjoyed being in the Legion of Mary, and she was chosen to crown Our Lady with flowers. Her favourite hymn was Queen of the May. I heard about the chaplaincy team that was in the school. 
They organised times of prayer and religious services in the school. As I was doing this outside of school, I wanted to take it up in school too. I had known from my own experience and from the joy I saw my Nana have had with the Legion of Mary that having a faith group to whom I belonged would be something that I too would enjoy. The chaplaincy team is a group of students who discuss faith and mark moments of faith and celebration throughout the school year. It is led by a very special lady in my school called Miss Trish O'Brien. She is very talented and has given me the encouragement and belief in myself to share my faith story with you all today. Our school is very lucky to have such a wonderful chaplain to encourage and support all of our students. A few examples of the work of the chaplaincy team would be the November services, the Christmas carol services, Ash Wednesday services and Eucharistic adoration. We have also created sacred spaces in our school, had Lakela days which have included random acts of kindness and this year we even put our own retreat together. However, during the lockdown, something unique happened for us as a team. The Tuesday Scripture Reflection Group was formed. For those of you that don't know what that is, students from the chaplaincy team chose a piece of scripture and reflected on the meaning of that scripture passage. We then chose a song or a hymn and a prayer and made a video of our reflections from a young person's faith point of view. It was broadcast every Tuesday evening here at Knox Shrine after the 7.30 Mass. This was a lovely group to be part of. It gave us, as young people, time to think and reflect on the deeper meaning of the scriptures, and it was time for ourselves also. Now, I won't lie to you, it was no easy task by any means. Once we had reflected on the piece and figured out what thoughts we were going to share with the world, we had huge IT challenges, mainly how we would record the video and put the whole piece together and merge all of that with what someone else on the team had recorded in their own home. At first, we didn't think we would manage it. But now, looking back, it was something to do that was worthwhile during the lockdown and meant a lot to us because it was our way of coming together that had a purpose and also helped so many others. It was a great way of continuing with the Pope John Paul II Award. For this award, we had to give 20 hours of our time to the community and 20 hours to our parish. When we went into lockdown, I was thinking of a way to continue on with this award, and when the opportunity arose, I was more than happy to take part. I completed the Pope John Paul II Award despite the pandemic, and I'm very proud to be able to say that. This year, I'm continuing on with the award having applied for the Papal Cross. As part of my community hours for this award, I became a big sister to the new first years in our school. I have always been taught that faith is empty without action. The very example of Jesus teaches us the importance of walking in the shoes of another and alongside them as they take their first steps. Beginning post-primary is said to be one of the most difficult times in the lives of a young person. Big brother, big sister helps first years settle into school. As a big sister, I try my best to help and guide the first years in my care as best I can. I was a first year only a few short years ago, so I just know how difficult the change can be coming from primary to secondary. I give my best advice and try to ease any worry they may have throughout the year. It has really been a rewarding experience for me because I know that giving of myself 
has made a difference in the lives of others and has given them the chance to be happier in school. I pray every night right before I go to sleep. I ask God for a blessing on everyone in the family, including the dogs. My image of God is of someone who is always there guiding you, even though you may not know it. Now, you can't be asking him for a PlayStation or new makeup, but I do often find myself asking God to look after people for me. At the age of 17, I asked myself, where is my faith now? Faith is very important to me. I do struggle to get up in time for Mass some mornings, and I do have a part-time job and school to juggle as well. But I still always make time for God in my life. To everyone here tonight, and to young people in particular, I would say this. Faith is something precious. It's yours. Nobody can ever take it away from you. Trust in Jesus. He is always with us, no matter what. I know some young people who might think having faith and believing in Jesus isn't the coolest thing. But do try and say a prayer daily to look around to find what you can be grateful for in your life and to get to Mass when you can. Faith is a gift. It's hope and prayer. It's trusting in God and knowing he's there. Faith gives us courage to tackle the seemingly impossible as well as the determination to see it through. This for me is like my motto in life and reminds me that there is no challenge that I cannot face knowing that God is with me. In return, I must choose to face challenges that come in my way in life because I can trust that no matter how steep the climb, I am never alone. I know that in many ways I am the exception today. I've been extremely blessed and very lucky to have such role models in my family to pass on their faith to me. And the gift they have given me is not to be afraid of how faith can shape you if you trust in God. I would like to share my examples of this with you, if I may. My examples are my grandfather's. My grandfather Don is a very religious person. From a young age, he went to Mass every day and said the rosary every evening with his family. He passed this tradition down to my mother and her siblings, who in their turn passed it on to us, the grandchildren. He inspires me because he's taught me how to be a good person and how to live a good life and learn from Jesus. He's an active member of the congregation in his local church. He worked for Knox Shrine, dedicating his life to helping others. This was recognised when he was awarded the Benny Morenti Medal in 2010. When writing my reflection for the Pope John Paul II Award, I was asked about someone who inspired me, and it was him. His faith became the reason why he helped others. It has given him joy, hope, and kindness that I can only dare to dream of. As I mentioned previously, part of the award is to get involved as a volunteer in your community. So I joined the Young St. Vincent de Paul Conference in my school. This was something that was close to my own heart as my other granddad, Billy, was one of the founding members who established the St. Vincent de Paul Conference in Keltrama. When I joined Young St. Vincent de Paul, I knew I wanted to help people in my school and somehow mirror a little of the work my granddad had been involved in. I was honoured to be elected the chairperson of our youth conference and we did lots of things in our school that have helped our students. We set up a stationery shop so students could buy all their stationery needs at affordable prices or for free if they hadn't any money with them. 
We did a uniform drive to recycle school uniforms at the end of the year and we did several fundraisers during the run-up to Christmas also. As I said earlier, faith for me means so much more when it is accompanied by action. When you see how helping someone out of a tough time can make such a difference, you begin to understand the commandment, love one another. It is very much an act that keeps on giving. The more you love the other person, the more you feel the love of others yourself. It really is that simple. From a young age, my parents brought me to the Novena. We would attend as many of the nine nights as we could. As a child, the highlight of the evening was the candlelight procession and saying the rosary. I might have missed a prayer or two trying to blow out my brother's candle, but it was all part of the tradition. My mother was also part of the Knock Folk group, who always sang on the 15th of August, and if I was lucky enough, I was allowed to join them. My mother loved being part of the folk group, and this is where my love of music also developed. We as a family would bring up the gifts also, and so attending the novena was something we did as a family, and were involved in as a family. On an evening like this, it is very hard for me to believe that this is where I am right now. This is now part of my faith story, sharing with you where my, fam- where my faith has led me so far in my life. I know my family are very proud of me, not because I'm standing here, but because of who I am and how I'm shaping up. But I've never been on this journey by myself. I have held the hand of God who loves me and I've trusted in him. I know that this is very much the beginning, that I'm being molded and shaped by the people of faith in my life. And for that, I'm very grateful. Christ is behind me in the grandparents I've been so lucky to have known and loved. Christ is beside me in the family, my parents and brother, that I'm so blessed to have. And Christ is on my right and left in the people I meet everywhere I go. May all of you find Christ all around you every day of your life. Amen.
So welcome back again to the third part of Common Sea Inspirations. My name is John Keeley, still joined by Shane Ambrose. And again, we, we thank um, uh, Lauren Conroy for sharing her faith story with us. Uh, it's lovely to hear a young person uh, speak with such confidence about her faith. So now we can um, now we can continue on with our podcast where we read and reflect on the Word of God, the Sunday Gospel. Before that, we'll ask Shane to pray this prayer before reading and reflecting on Scripture. Thanks, Shane. Lord, we thank you for putting us in the presence of your word, which you inspired in your prophets. May we approach this word reverently, attentively, and humbly. May we not despise this word, but receive all it has to say to us. We know that our hearts are closed, often capable of comprehending the simplicity of your word. Send your spirit to us so that receiving the word in truth and simplicity, our lives may be transformed by it. Let us not be resistant, Lord. May your word penetrate us like a two-edged sword. May our hearts be open. And that our eyes be closed and our minds wander. But may we give ourselves entirely to this listening. We ask this Father in union with Mary, who used to recite the Psalms through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thanks for that, Shane. So, the Gospel for today, the 30th Sunday in ordinary time, again is taken from the Gospel of Luke. Jesus spoke the following parable to some people who prided themselves on being virtuous and despised everyone else. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood there and said this prayer to himself. I thank you, God, that I'm not grasping, unjust, adulterous like the rest of mankind, and particularly that I'm not like this tax collector here. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes and all I get. The tax collector stood some distance away, not daring even to raise his eyes to heaven. But he beat his breast and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. This man, I tell you, went home again at rights with God, and the other did not. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and the man who humbles himself will be exalted. So that's the Gospel for today, for the 30th Sunday in ordinary time. Again, but we've got a good message in there for us all, Shane. Luke, have you got a few thoughts you might share with us, please? Yeah, um... This is this gospel, I suppose, is, is very familiar to us. It's it's often known as the, the Pharisee and the publican, or the Pharisee and the tax the tax payer or tax collector. Um, I, there's different ways, I suppose, of approaching this, John, and it's it's continuing on a theme of prayer uh, that's been in the gospel readings for the last couple of weeks from Luke. And and in particular, perseverance in prayer. Sorry, perseverance in prayer. Um, and I suppose it's it's again kind of you know we have to kind of process on the context of the parable that's put before us. So that's the first thing to remember, and the example that's given. And I suppose you can put yourself in the shoes of either of the two people involved in it. One is the Pharisee, and the other is the tax collector. Now, the Pharisee, I suppose, you know, as we know from discussions before, they were very, they were a group who followed the minutiae of the Judaic law very closely, but it was very much focused on the external observances of the law as they saw it, whatever, so something like that. And obviously, as we know, throughout the Gospels, Jesus has run-ins with the Pharisees and calls them out for their hypocrisy. Um, you know, and in this one, he's, you know, he's setting up this Pharisee as the example. And if we look at it like, you know, the, the Pharisee is listing out everything that he does. He pays his tithes, he does his prayers, he goes blah, 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 and all the rest of it. And you're kind of going, 
the most common word in the sentence is I, 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 I. And you're kind of going, okay, there's someone slightly missing the point. He's supposed to be praying to God. Mm. But it's all about me, myself, and I. Okay, and I suppose, you know, there's an element, if we put ourselves into the parable, we have to ask ourselves, is there an element of us in that? You know, when it comes to different aspects of life, but in particular aspects dealing with our relationship with God, do we make space for others and look to the other? And, or is it a case that we kind of have a tendency to pat ourselves on the back and tell ourselves we're doing great? Now, there is, there is, a, there is I suppose, something that we need to be careful of, I suppose, in an Irish context, that we're, we have a great national tendency to put ourselves down. And, you know, there is a tendency to be a bit too much mea culpa, mea culpa, mea maxima culpa. Um, you know, and, you know, sometimes we need to be a bit more like our cousins across the Atlantic to be a bit more positive about ourselves and our gifts and abilities and what we do and what we do. But obviously, like everything else, there's moderation involved in it as well. But then when we move to the publican, it's very much looking at the example of an individual who's very much in touch with themselves. He knows his own weaknesses. He accepts them. Well, he acknowledges them. And he turns to God looking for the help to deal with them. And I think that's kind of the challenge that's put before us this week in the gospel, is challenging us to recognize ourselves in the two characters put before us and asking ourselves the question, do we know and have opened up our hearts to the extent that like the publican, we know who we are, we are aware of our weaknesses, but trusting to the mercy of God we turn to him and just have that conversation with him heart to heart, you know, and that's, that's something that we, that I think for me comes out very much, John, from this gospel. I think that whole dialogue of the publican, I think is something that you could do a lot of Lexio on this week. If you were to take up that gospel and to take it with you for the coming few days. And it's something for you to think about as you reflect on the gospel for this Sunday. Shane, thank you very much, Neil, for that. Yeah, I must agree with you. That certainly, certainly, the tax collector, the tax collector, had something to say to me. I mean, obviously, as you said yourself, the Pharisee. There's a, and I suppose there's a bit of that in all of us. Do you know? Am I a bit like the Pharisee sometimes? Do I give myself a little pat on the back because I'm a good Catholic, or I go to weekly mass or Holy Communion, and I'm generous to church collections and so on and so forth? But how many times am I like the tax collector? Telling God how sorry I am for my sins and asking for mercy. And I, for one, need to learn something from the tax collector in today's gospel. I owe God everything, including his gift of mercy for my sins. I suppose to help me out to finish off this little reflection, I've again turned to Michael de Vertaille. Lord, when we come into your presence, help us to be conscious of, your, of our sinfulness so that we can recognise how we are in fact grasping, unjust, adulterous, like all human beings, no different from sinners we see before us. And help us to know that our fasting and tithes we pay are nothing are not worth mentioning. Then lead us to a deeper level, where we are content to stand at a distance from you, not daring to raise our eyes to you, but beating our breasts and saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. When we've made that inner journey, then we can go home knowing that we are rights with you.
my little few thoughts on, on the gospel passage today. And thanks again, Shane, for sharing your for your, your thoughts with us. Um, all the way from Nairobi, even, uh, out in Kenya. Uh, we'll try and do it all again next week. But in the meantime, we're great with our final piece of music. This time it's, uh, it's entitled Great Is Your Mercy, and it's from Emmanuel. So until next week, from myself and Shane, thanks again for joining us. Take care. Have a good week. Bye-bye now. Bye. <laughs>